thank you this morning for the opportunity to share your word. I want to thank you, Father, for the word that you have placed upon my heart, and I ask that you would help me to deliver it as a fresh word. In Jesus' name, amen. The message I have today has been, I have taught it, or a very similar one, a while ago. But as I was going through some of my old notes, I thought, you know, this just speaks again right to where we are today. So I'm going to use it again. If you missed it the first time around, that's good. If you've heard it before, great. If you've heard it before, you're probably going to say, well, I never heard that before. So that's okay. Um, We're at a time, and I mentioned last week, that we're at a time of moving ahead. We're at a time of expanding, doing different things. You know, people look around, they say, well, you know, each service, the services don't look full. It's this, it's that. And yet when we add the numbers together, the two services together have more people than we ever had before in one service. The new people showing up. We're getting cards from people, first-time attenders, showing up. You say, well, I don't see it in this service. Well, no, it's in the second service, though. People in the second service go, what's happening here? Well, it's in the first service. (laughs) So it just does happen, though. The things are moving, and things are moving ahead, and we just trust that God is bringing us to a place where the church will be able to meet again in one place all at once, and then maybe some of you will be surprised at how many old friends you still have there and how many new friends have come that you haven't recognized because they came to the other service. So, but there is pressure, there is different things as we move on. There's always some pressure and some opposition when we want to advance in the kingdom of God. You know, there's always those opportunities to take offense. There's always those opportunities to just throw up your hands and say, why? I also mentioned last week that we limit God with our own feelings. When we're moving ahead and the pressure comes, we start limiting God with our own feelings of inadequacy, insecurity, fear of failure, or our own past. It stops us from having boldness to move forward. It stops us from saying, man, you know, I should be doing this. And and then immediately the enemy will bring to our mind all of the things that are wrong in our life. Or all of the things that we have ever done wrong. All of the things that have ever happened to us. All of the people that have ever snubbed us or said, well, you can't do that. All of those things will come and they'll stop us from moving forward. And it really boils down to a fear of failure. But then I stressed that it was the importance of keeping the Word of God as our standard instead of the circumstances because the Word cannot change. When the Word is applied to the circumstances, the circumstances have to change to line up with the Word. But the Word will never change to line up with the circumstances. And that might very well be one of the greatest problems with religion. Religion likes to change the word so that it will fit the circumstances, and yet Christianity says we will change the circumstances to line up with the word. You know, we can look not that far ago. I remember when I first got born again, I had a friend of mine, and um, we were very close friends, and she had been raised in the Catholic Church. And when she, after she got born again, she hadn't been in church for I don't know how many years, probably twenty some years already. But after she got born again and she started discovering different things, and also says, you know, church has changed from when I was in church. I just look back to the church I was raised in, and I recognize that the church that I was raised in has changed their opinion on many of the things because the circumstances kept crowding in. Now, some of them, they should have changed because they were against the Word of God. 
So they should have changed those opinions, but other ones were just done because of circumstances. People will change their circumstances, change the word rather than the circumstances. You know, the, the word of God says, I am the Lord that heals thee. And yet people say, well, I know somebody that didn't get healed. So God gives us the strength to go through it. Well, no, that's really not what the word says. The word says God will give us the strength, but God says, I'm the God that heals thee. We hear the word, it says, well, you know, and the word of God says, but, but the Lord, God shall supply all of our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's what the word says. But my circumstances don't line up. So then we turn around and we switch it and we say, well, God just wants me to live without, to keep me humble. Well, why do you want to be humble? If God wants you humble, he can keep you humble and rich. And fulfill his word at the same time. See, when he says, I delight in the prosperity of my servant, then he's already told you that he delights in the prosperity of his servant. If you're serving him, he wants you to be prosperous. And if you're not prosperous, then it's not him that's holding out. It might be you that's holding out. You might not be willing to take the steps. You might not be willing to do what needs to be done. And so we start changing the word to fit the circumstances instead of changing the circumstances to fit the word. Well, how do we change the circumstances? By standing in faith. We take what the Word of God says and we say this is what's supposed to be. So whatever circumstance wants to disagree with this is going to have to change and then we keep holding on to what the Word of God says. Now that we know, we know what the Bible says, even this morning we just prayed and I believe some, uh, some people got set free this morning. I believe that. Why? Because that's what the Word says. If two of you shall agree in prayers touching anything, it shall be done on my Father which is in heaven. So we touched together in prayer, we agreed. Freedom comes. That's all there's to it. But people turn around and say, well, I don't have the power. I don't have the ability. I can't. Oh, yes, you can. If the word of God is true, then greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So if the word of God is true and greater is he that is in you than he is in the world, that means that the circumstances of the world are then going to have to change to line up with that if you keep holding on to that and refusing to accept that. So you accept the truth of God's word and you hold on to that. So we stress the importance of keeping the Word of God as our standard instead of the circumstances because the Word of God cannot change. It will be the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, Jesus, the Bible tells us that God sent His Word. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It was referring to Jesus. The Word cannot change. He said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I change not. It says, not one jot or tittle shall pass away until it all be fulfilled. So the Word cannot change. The circumstances then have to. It's only when we back off of holding on to the word that the circumstances start winning out. Neither our feelings nor the trials we face can ever change the word of God. If God has said, go to the other side, then we know that there is enough power in that word to get to the other side. The question is no longer if we can get to the other side, but the question then becomes how and when are we getting to the other side? The when is normally going to be determined by the minute we're ready to step out and believe the Word of God. So when we are presented with the challenge of overcoming a trial or a test of any nature, there's really very little use in sitting around and groaning about how unworthy we are, how unable we are, or how weak we are. And yet that's one of the first things people want to go. We hear the word of God and we start complaining, oh, well, I just can't because I'm just so weak and I'm just this and I'm just that. And it's really the very same thing that some of the great men and women of God in the Bible did. 
Gideon was approached and said, you know, thou mighty man of valor. And he's like, huh, me? I'm the smallest of the weakest of the littlest. And yet God chose him. When he accepted that word, out head he went. When he refused that word, he was stopped by the wine press, threshing his wheat, hoping that nobody would see him. We need to take that word. There's enough power in that word to get to the other side. So when we hear, when we're presented with the challenge to sit there and cry about how I can't, to sit there and cry about how unworthy I am, to sit there and cry that nobody wants to help me is helping nothing. Now you're just wasting time. Build yourself on the Word. The Word says, I am well able. The Word says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, or who strengthens me. So why are you going to start speaking against those things? So when we are presented with that challenge, it is important to remember that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, and that according to him, we are already well able to meet and overcome every challenge that comes towards us. That doesn't matter whether it's a personal challenge, that doesn't matter whether it's a family challenge, that doesn't matter whether it's a business challenge or a church challenge or a neighborhood challenge or a community challenge. We are already well able to overcome. So it is important to remember that God knows how to bring us through and that he wants to. See, a lot of times we want to talk about saying, well, God can, but we don't want to say God will. If I can, but won't, that's really no more use to me than if I can't. You know, I might know somebody that's very wealthy, and if I'm having a financial difficulty, I say, well, they could help me get through this. If they won't, so what? Will they? But see, he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we have to believe that God can and will. Because if God can but won't, you might as well just keep on going the way you're going. To recognize God can and that he will. There is nothing that God doesn't know how to handle, and he only allows those things that we are capable of handling to confront us when we turn our lives over to him to continue. Say, well, pastor, I need a scripture for that. Well, that's great. There hath no temptation overtaken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able to bear, but will with every temptation make a way to escape. So my life, I keep handing my life into God's hands and say, God, you lead me, you direct me. Then I can trust that nothing is going to come to me that I can't handle. Well, what does that do? I can't take it anymore. It's too hard. So it does away with all that, doesn't it? Yeah, but pastor, I thought you were moved by compassion. I am. (laughs) This is compassion speaking. No, compassion sits down in the mud hole with me and cries on my shoulder. No, that's not really compassion. See, compassion is another word for love. That's self-pity. Compassion says, hey, come on. See, Jesus was moved with compassion, and he didn't say to that, old, that poor old woman, they're like, oh, come on, dear, I know how you're suffering. You've had such a hard life. 
It's been a hard road. You've been such a little trooper. And yet that's what most people think compassion is. What did Jesus say? Be healed. Oh, if I only knew, I would have. No, you wouldn't have. Get up and walk. Do it. He was moved with compassion. Anybody want to argue with me that Jesus wasn't moved with compassion? (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) So when it feels like we are unable to move past the voice of our past, when it feels like we're unable to move past our present disruptions, we can turn to Psalm 34. We're going to find eight steps that are going to help us come out on top in every struggle. It's going to help us to step over into that promise. And the very first one is found in verse 4. And it says, I sought the Lord, Psalm 34, verse 4, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. So the very first thing to do when you find yourself in the struggle is pray. Spend some time in prayer. The verse starts off by saying, I sought the Lord. Well, if you're going to seek the Lord, you're going to end up getting some wisdom. You're going to end up getting some help. You're going to end up getting some ability that you didn't have before. So our part is to pray daily and then invite him into our life and invite his wisdom into our situation. I recommend to everybody, when you get up in the morning, spend some time having a devotional. Now that, you know, just spend some time opening, and I don't care where you do it. Just spend some time before you really get involved in the things of life. See, I get up at whatever time I get up. It takes me a good half hour before I'm actually ready to face my day. Why? Because I want to spend some time. Okay, God, what are you saying today? Reading the devotional that gets sent to me, one of the devotionals gets sent to me in the mailbox, in my email box, reading these different things, finding out. And that's why I love having my phone, because I get a word everywhere. And spend some time seeking God, saying, okay, God, how does this apply to my life? What's going on in my life today? What do I need? Just spending some time seeking God and saying, you know, God, this is coming up. Could you just show me how, what to do here? Now, this doesn't have to be the, you know, the breakthrough prayer time. This is the time of saying, God, I'm in fellowship with you now. Now I'm just talking to you, and I want you to talk back to me. So I'm opening myself to hear what you're going to have to say. I invite you, Father, to take charge of my life. I invite you, Father, just to direct my steps today. I know that I'm surrounded with your favor. I know, Father, that your blessing is new every morning. Your mercies are new every morning. But I need you today to show me what my steps, direct my steps today. You start getting God to direct your steps, you know what's going to happen? There's going to be a lot of stuff you're just not going to have time for anymore. Because God's directed your steps in other places. And also you're going, but I thought this was so important yesterday. Maybe it was to you. But obviously it wasn't to God. So our part is to pray daily and then invite God into our life to invite his wisdom into our situations. Seek him. Paul was going through a storm. The ship was getting wrecked. Everybody is going, oh my God, what are we going to do? Whatever their God might be. 
Paul was out sitting in the back. Constantine comes out. He says, well, he says, this angel of the Lord, who I am and whose I serve, came with to me last night. And he said this and this and this. He got his delivery strategy as he was seeking God. The strategy came as he was seeking God. And he says, okay, this is what we've got to do, guys. Throw this off. Cut that off. Cut this loose. Stay on the boat. No, no. Call these guys back. They're not leaving. If we all stay together, we're all safe. These guys leave, they're dead. Oh, okay. And all of a sudden, the prisoner became the commander. Paul was a prisoner. He had no right to speak to the captain of the ship that way. And yet he told the captain what to do. And the captain says, okay, yes, let's do it that way. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they had already extended their own knowledge. They already ran out of wisdom. They already had done everything they knew. And the storm hadn't quit. See, I can picture them on the deck. They're quickly making offerings to their idols. You know, boiling a fish or whatever and feeding it to, trying to feed it to Neptune and saying, hey, you know, let the storm go away. Paul didn't waste his time with that. He said, I'm going to ask God what to do. And then God told him. So he found the delivery strategy by praying. You know, a lot of times your delivery strategy is going to come as you spend time in the presence of the Lord. Number two, verse eight. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. So you spend some time praying. Now trust God. Well, of course I trust God. Do you? How far? God says go. But what if? God says give. Well, I can't afford to. God says, stop, and we say, oh, no, no, I want to go ahead. Trust God. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Now, trust is a whole bunch different than just hearing. So place your life, place your security in the Lord. Rely on the character, the strength, and the ability of God to deliver you from these situations. Fear and unbelief, which show a lack of trust in God, are going to hinder you from or stop you from receiving God's help. But confidence will take you over. When you start trusting God, that will take you over. It'll take you to that next realm. Fear will stop you. Unbelief will stop you. Yeah, I would really like that, but I just can't do that. Then how can you trust God with your eternal soul if you cannot even trust Him? With anything else. Yeah, but I'm trusting you, God. No, you're not. You're operating in fear and unbelief. Or you're allowing condemnation to stop you from trusting that God's going to work. And that was one of the things we dealt with just this morning during the prayer time. You know, we start, we, and Satan will make, uh, get us involved in stuff that we shouldn't be involved in. We know we shouldn't be involved in. But Satan will get us involved with it, and then we start feeling guilty about it. Well, I don't want to go to church because people are going to know. Boom, 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 boom. And all of a sudden, you're sitting at home, in the room, all by yourself, feeling guilty. Except now you're feeling guilty about the fact that not only did you do stuff you weren't supposed to be doing, you also didn't do stuff you should have done. Like go to church. Like get the help of the brethren. Get some prayer. Hear the word of God. Sing some worship to the Lord. You didn't do that either. And now you're feeling really bad. Well, everybody hates me now. Nobody hates you. That's just another lie. 
So I'll just close my windows and close the doors and then nobody will ever find me again. And I'll sit here and eat worms and die. Trust God. When you start trusting God, you're going to find out that you're going to be able to step over. It's the confidence in God that takes you over. People say, well, well you know, you, it's so proud to think. No, it's my confidence in God. When we started a church, we couldn't sit there and say, wow, we've got it all together. You know, we have a three-step program. We have a ten-step plan. We have a four-step vision. We have, no, we didn't have that. We said, well, I don't know, God. Let's go. We'll work it out as we go. <laughs> yeah, but I don't like going that way. Well, you're going to stop yourself right where you are then because you, sometimes you just got to go the way you go. You cannot figure out. You know, you, we make plans. We, lay, we try to figure out how it's going to happen, but, but you're still going to have to leave that, okay, God, interfere with my plans at any time you want part in there. This is my plan, God. If you got a better one, you take over. Oh, but God is my co-pilot. No, he's my pilot. I'm the co-pilot. I get to set a course, and if he figures there's a better one, he can take over. I'll let him. Number three, found in verse nine. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints. There is no want to them that fear him. Fear the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean to run around with fear and trembling, but it means to revere God. It means to give him honor, to give him respect. Part of fearing the Lord includes taking the word, knowing that the word is true, and then applying that word to your life. When God speaks, quickly make the necessary changements or adjustments. Respect the Lord enough to believe that when he has said something, it's what he meant. See, I can tell very quickly when people respect me. Hmm? Sure. How do you know? If I have imparted some of the wisdom that I have learned over the years and they don't want it, they don't respect me. Why? Because they're not respecting my word. I waste very little time with people that don't respect me. Why? Because I don't need to fight to try and bring truth to people that don't want it. Huh? Does that sound harsh? It's not harsh. I'm not meaning it harsh. It's just a very simple, simple fact of life. That doesn't mean I dislike them. It just means I don't want to waste my time with them. See, one of the first things when people come for counseling, I say, show up in church. I'll counsel. I'll spend as much time counseling as you need. But you best be in church Sunday morning. Because if you don't even care enough to show up in church Sunday morning, then you don't care enough to waste my afternoon or evening. Because at that point, it's become a waste if you don't care about it. Why is it a waste? Because you don't respect it. Why would I keep giving wisdom if you don't respect it? Now, my opinion, you can do whatever you want with my opinion, but I'm telling you, this is from the Word of God. Then you best be reading and see if that's from the Word of God. And if it's from the Word of God, respect it. Enough to do it. Fear the Lord. Number four. Verse 10, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Seek the Lord with all of your heart. So we got a little bit of a theme happening here. 
pray, trust God, fear the Lord, and seek the Lord with all of your heart. Listen to the prompting of that inward witness. The counsel of God will deliver you out of trouble. God will protect you. He will keep you safe from injury, from harm, and from destruction. He will preserve you by instructing and teaching you, but you're going to have to make the effort to listen and learn. You cannot listen and learn to God if you're never spending time seeking Him. Well, I already know what I want to do with my life, but what does God say? Yeah, but I already have the plan figured out, but what is God's plan? Yeah, but you don't understand. I already know what I want, and it's this and it's that, and we've got it all figured out, and we're going to live happily ever after. What is God's plan? Seek the Lord. If that little thing inside of you that says there's something wrong, listen to it. It's going to save you years of heartache. That little part inside that says this is not the way, don't go in it. Those hesitations, those things that are hooking, they're hooking for a reason. Stay away. No, but I know what I want. We'll work it all out already. Do you know how many people I have counseled with that went ahead when they knew? And they, you know, they'll tell you later, say, well, no, I already sort of thought something was out of line. And yet later on, then you know, now, you know, now, we're, now we're trying to fix something that, that should never have happened in the first place. So listen to the prompting of that inward witness. God is trying to save you from injury. He's trying to save you from harm and destruction. He will preserve you by instructing and teaching, but you're going to have to make the effort to learn and to listen. Trusting Him causes His mercy to surround you. It allows you, His righteousness, His way of doing and being right, to operate in your life. Well, these things aren't that important. These things are intensely important. At the very least, you might waste years. You know, there's some people, they, they, uh, they, ha- they know where the Spirit of God has spoke to them, and now also, well, that sounds too hard. I don't want to do that anymore. Well, do, what do you want to wait? Do you want to wait five years and then do it? Yeah, but I just want the easy way out. Well, there is no easy way out. The easy way out is doing what God said. Then you only got to do it once. Otherwise, you get to do all the other stuff and then still do it the way God said. (laughs) And you run around that mountain and you run around that mountain. You run around that mountain until finally you got the roadmap figured out. In fact, that path is so deep you can walk it in your sleep already and you're still running around that mountain. Take God's way. Trusting Him causes His mercy to surround you and that allows His righteousness or His way of doing and being right to operate in your life. The righteous are encompassed with the favor of the Lord as a shield. The worst case scenario I ever heard, true story. A couple was breaking up within a year of their marriage. And people are going, well, this is horrible. This is horrible. The woman found out that on his bachelor party, the guy was sleeping with another woman. Found out but wanted to save face, so she went ahead and married him anyway. 
Within a year, they broke up, they divorced. And everybody will say, isn't that horrible? It is horrible that she would so blatantly deny the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Because you cannot tell me, if you found out that your fiancé is sleeping around before you're married, come on. It takes a special kind of stupid to go ahead. And if that's harsh, I'm sorry. It's harsh. But it's exactly what people keep doing. And then they say, well, God did this. No, God didn't do this. And that was the part that got me most, was that God was supposed to have done that. Well, I prayed. Of course you prayed. And you rejected every impulse that the Spirit of God tried to bring you. So seek the Lord with all of your heart, but then do it. If you want the favor of the Lord to surround you like the shield, you're going to have to follow what he's saying. I am preaching much better than you guys are. (laughs) Number five, verse 13. Keep thy tongue from evil, thy lips from speaking guile. Don't criticize and judge those around you. It has been said that there's really only two times to pray for a person. When he's right and when he's wrong. It is the Lord's job, the Holy Spirit's job, not ours, to bring to light the hidden things of darkness and to reveal the counsels of the heart, according to 1 Corinthians 4 and 5. Your part, according to verse 13, is keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. And yet the first thing we want to do is start judging and start talking down. You know, part of the play last night was just so nicely depicted how, you know, oh, who is this woman? Oh, we can't have her. We don't want a fellow show. She's made a mistake. Don't you know what she's done? Uh-huh. As you went through that little skit that they did last night, you know, everyone they could find trouble with. Oh, well, his son is in jail. We don't want to miss mess with somebody whose kid is in jail. No, I know Jesus would never want you to talk to somebody whose child was in jail. What he did say was that he, I was in prison. You didn't come visit me, you self-righteous. <laughs> yeah, but, but this, she's made a mistake. She's messed up. Well, she's such a cantankerous old woman. Uh-huh. Yeah, and they went through one after the other, except guess what happened in the skit? The love of Christ won out. And the love of Christ will win out. Always. So quit criticizing. Quit judging. If you want to step over to that new place, you want to be released from where you've been held captive, quit criticizing. Quit judging. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Number six. Verse 14. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Stop doing it when you know what's wrong. Well, I might not really be wrong yet. If you have to say that, it's already been wrong for a long time. It's exactly right. Oh, but we love each other. What a big excuse that has become to let everything go on. You don't even know what love is, like those 
Yeah, but you know, but, uh, but everybody's doing it. And that makes it right. Depart from evil. Clean up any area of your life where the Holy Spirit has been dealing with you. Clean it up. Consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God. When sin or temptations call your name, you don't have to answer. When God calls your name, be quick to respond. Quickly. Number seven, again from verse 14. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Determine to do good. We should be like Jesus. He went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. We need to get busy doing good. Praying and ministering to others. I'm going to share a testimony just because it blessed me so much. I heard about four young people, 16 to 17 years old, had a Friday evening, they had an opportunity to go out and they went out. And they were trying to decide what to do with their time. Well, we could go bowling, we could go watch a movie, we could do this. And one of them came up with the idea, why don't we go to Salem and minister to old people that don't get a lot of company? They did. Seek to do good. I stand in awe of something like that because when I was 17, that was just not something that would ever have crossed my mind. And I go, man, there's character in those kids. True story. And I'm floored when I hear that because it just makes me wonder what God is doing or going to do in those lives. We should be like Jesus. How many young people do you know that say, let's go visit old people that we don't even know? Yeah, that's what I thought. (laughs) Jesus went about doing good. See, at that age, I was so wrapped up in myself, I couldn't even think there was anybody beside me that mattered in this world. (laughs) Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. We need to get busy doing good. Pray. Minister to others. See, too often we act like busybodies, running about, getting ourselves into everybody else's business, but we don't do any good. So we need to look for situations where we can do good. Number eight. Again from verse 14. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace. Don't always be the one that brings discord, quarreling, fighting, and strife. Instead, be the one that brings peace calmness, and harmony. Often there is absolutely no reason to stir those things up again, except somebody wants to fulfill some little sad peace inside of them. So they've got to bring up everything that's ever happened. Leave it lie. Seek peace. 
often it doesn't even matter whether you are recognized as being right or not. Seek peace. Receiving God's power and deliverance is not automatic. Our deliverance is controlled by how we see God, how we treat God, how we listen to God, and how we obey God. We need to come to the new place of faith and trust in God. See, we will never be able to fathom with our natural minds the counsel of the Lord. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Now, he has given us the mind of Christ, but most of us haven't yet taken the time to renew our minds. And we're still thinking worldly thoughts when God wants us to think godly thoughts. That's why he tells us, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Now, his wise counsel may well appear to us to be foolishness. One thing I know, God's a lot smarter than we are. When we seek God, when we trust him, when we hear his counsel and do what he tells us to do, he will bring us out of trouble. He will bring us to the point where we are able to step over, where we're able to step in and get the promises. But it's going to be his way. So, Father, I thank you this morning for this word. Help me to implement these things even as I teach them and stir them up again. Help us, Father, to receive them, each one of us. That it might not just be fancy words that we hear, but it becomes a way of life to us. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.